You're listening to Those Movie Dudes Podcast Show with your dudes, Nate, Spence, and Mainstream Boys. Okay, what a so the question We're all just having fun. for you guys today, what is the film that truly gave you nightmares? And I want you to think about it and really give me a good answer of like what film I give you a joke you? answer. As in just like, I would appreciate it not because I know that you would probably go there because Nate always takes my questions seriously. I mean, to be honest, I got to give him credit. John, you always go with the comedic route, which is, you know, it's your thing. But That's me. Not a specific movie has given me like nightmares about that movie but i've had characters from movies pop up in my nightmares <laughs> okay i have a i have one that you guys might not believe but nate what 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 characters would that consist of like i used to have this dream where i'd be uh running and i'd hide under this table which had like really long legs so i was i could be seen but it was a horror movie and it was uh michael myers and i was just like Oh, there's no way he's gonna see me. There's no way he's gonna see me. Where I'm basically out in the open, but it's a horror movie, so he just kind of walks by, and just keeps going. I'm like, <sighs> and I always feel like I'm in a boiler room randomly. Well, it makes sense because like, you always fall asleep to horror movies. I mean, in college, that's like that was your yeah, thing. So you always put on like yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> so it makes sense that you would uh, have dreams. Of these characters. Recently, it's been Rosemary's Baby. So this one's going to seem like a joke answer, but when I was a kid, I legitimately did have like dreams about this, and I was scared. I might have talked about this before. You guys remember the movie Dinosaur? Yes. <laughs> the All big right. T-Rex things the that, big, that they have to fight? Things. Yeah, I used to have dreams that they would come and rip the roof off my house and eat me out of my bed. So <laughs> that was that's like a completely legitimate thing, and yeah. What about was... you, buddy? Um... And it's ridiculous because you guys have seen this movie way holes later than I saw it, and uh, I, don't, I don't think it has the same effect on you. But the Sixth Sense, Jaws. it oh. fucked me up when I saw it when I was nine years old. Uh, just I had just the concept of ghosts. I had never seen that done, especially done on film. Uh, but like I heard a ghost, but I always thought it was like Casper and shit. This was like no. These <laughs> are is. like people that are dead, and they're gonna come, and they're gonna haunt you, and they're gonna visit you. And I was convinced that I was gonna wake up and see a ghost, and like I was just terrified mm-hmm. in my room for like sleepless nights. That was the first time I've ever experienced that, and that was because of a film. You, I mean, you watched it with me in like 2014. That's the last time I think I've actually seen the movie. And then we watched it in 2016. Yeah. Because I had never seen it before. I remember because I was eating pizza with the sriracha sauce on it. Yes, I remember. <laughs> okay. We went through the like, Eminem Shyamalan yep. uh, movie marathon. Did, did you but, know what was coming? Because yes, I yeah. didn't. Even though I had listened to like the Lonely Island Jizz in My Pants song like on repeat for four years straight as a teenager, and I still didn't <laughs> pick up on that. So that's it's funny. like it's funny. I yeah. still was like, "What? No fucking way!" I was like sixteen. <laughs> Sure, I'm so stupid right now. But uh, yeah. no, I've seen the movie countless times since, and I do love it. I think it's a great movie. It's one of my favorites of M. Night Shyamalan's. Um, we can uh, we can get into the uh, actual show this week. We're going to be talking about three movies. We watched that... a show. John, what were the uh, what were your films and what were voted on by the good people this week? I had Death Proof going against Al Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon. 
Uh, Death Proof took that one by only a 4% margin, so there we are. That was the closest one, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I was kind of hoping to see Dog Day Afternoon, but I've always wanted to see Death but, Proof, so this was an yeah. uh, interesting poll. Nice. Uh, Nate, what was, the, uh, what was the poll that you put out for uh, the good people to vote on? Well... <laughs> I tried to put some culture in uh, John's brain. Um, so I put 1996 Andre Rublev, which sadly to me lost by an astounding. I don't know oh what you God. expected, but it, I, it, this I, is so bad. It only got 17%. It only got 17%, and it lost to Thelma and Louise, which is totally okay, because once we start talking about it, you'll understand why. It's the most popular one. Yeah, but come on, guys. Where are my my Tarkovsky friends? Like... I know you guys are out there. You say that Please yourself, not, not even as a fan. <laughs> They're not on this You want to be, though. I, 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 I see it. I, I I appreciate filmmaking, yeah. but please don't put me to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you've lost me. I've never seen one from him. But uh, my poll that I put out, uh, I was going for a little chess theme uh, because I was playing a lot of chess at the moment when I picked these movies. Uh, but I went with Searching for Bobby Fischer versus Pawn Sacrifice. And it was kind of a close uh, poll as well, 55% to 45%. Searching for Bobby Fischer was the winner. Has the chess vibes kind of uh, worn off at this point where you're like, I don't care about chess anymore? Or I haven't like, played yeah, a game of like chess the... <laughs> since the podcast <laughs> right now. It's just how I was going to do it. But uh, I... I have brought up <laughs> chess more in life yeah. since watching this movie. I, I do <laughs> really? love it. I, uh, I want to get better at it. But um, the games that I play, they can take up to like an hour to hour and a half. And I just don't have the patience. I get so impatient at times. It was like, I just want to finish the game and just win. Is that but why we've never played a game of Monopoly together? It could very because well be. I don't know. Those, those can go to like five, six, seven hours. I don't know how to just... play Monopoly. No, for, oh, I had the worst game what? one time of Risk. <laughs> I don't know how to play. That lasted oh, for like five hours. And I was like, oh my God, get me out of this room right now. Like I, it was so <laughs> painful. I haven't played that game since. I don't Damn. know if you guys played Risk, but... Yeah, I'm working. I played Game of Thrones Risk, and that was quite quite fun. But Uh, but yeah, um, I played Candyland. All right. Well, while we're on the uh, the chess theme, uh, do you guys want to just talk about searching for Bobby Fischer first this week? I wouldn't mind getting that one out of the way. Oh, you want to dive right into it? William H Macy and tuna fish sandwich. (laughs) Deep cut. All right, I like it. Like where this is going. In a world that thrives on competition. Why do you want your son to play chess? Oh, I don't. He does. He taught himself. In a game where winning means the world. Tell me, is the next Bobby Fischer somewhere in this room? <laughs> a challenge has begun. Your son creates like Fisher. He sees like him inside. You're playing not to lose, Josh. You've got to risk losing. You've got to risk everything. So, yeah, this is, like I said, <laughs> Searching for Bobby Fischer. The film came out in 1993. Directed by Steve Zalian, who is actually a kind of a Oscar-winning screenwriter, best known for his uh, work with Martin Scorsese with The Irishman, Schindler's List, as well with Steven Spielberg, uh, Gains of New York. Uh, he's also done like a script doctor in a bunch of other movies. Like he wrote the story for the original Mission Impossible movie. Like he's done a lot of writing uh, for big movies, but he made his directorial debut with this film. Uh, but it stars Joe Mantegna. Oh, sorry. Try again. <laughs> I, Joe Mantegna. Yeah. There you go. Ben yes. Kingsley, Lawrence Fishburne, and Joan Allen, and a bunch of other kind of character actors that pop up throughout this movie. But the plot is Joan Mantegna is the guy from Criminal Minds, right? I've only seen him on TV. 
I've never seen him in a movie until this, all right. of a sudden. Yeah, I also got John Rucker yeah. vibes at times. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the film follows. It's a prehobescent <laughs> chess prodigy who refuses to harden himself in order to become a champion like the famous but unlikable Bobby Fischer. Has a 100% Rotten Tomatoes critical acclaim with an 86% audience. Uh, IMDb 7.4 out of 10 and Letterboxd 3.5 and a nominee for the Oscars for Best Cinematography. All right, well, Nate, initial thoughts. What did you think of this one? Mm -hmm. It had the weirdest start of any movie I've seen in a long time because I was so confused. It was just this <laughs> birthday party and then it starts raining and then Lawrence Fishburne's all creepy with a baseball and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, what <laughs> kind of movie is this? <laughs> it's kind of like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. I'm, what is he gonna do and all these child? kids are like holding weapons and whatnot and he's just sitting there in the rain. I'm like, what? I thought this was a movie about chess. I didn't know this was about a serial killer or something, but no. it, it took a lighter tone. Um, what year did this movie come out? 1993. 93. Oh, okay. So it, cause it definitely had a nineties feel just to having that Joe Mantenga or Mantenga. <laughs> I know uh, it's daunting. Seeing him really young. Like <laughs> I keep thinking of Joe Mangiello or whatever. Yeah, from, sure. uh, Manganello. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think I said that right. But yeah, but seeing all these young uh, actors and we know them now as these fantastic actors, seeing them as kind of some of their early work was really nice to see. Just kind of a really nice, easy, lighthearted movie. And I really enjoy movies like this because when it has a set topic like chess and chess can be very competitive and you see this, you see the speed chess like. I can't even yeah. play regular chess if I <laughs> sat there and had all the time in the world. Like, I couldn't do it. But having that competitive edge and seeing how the parents acted and seeing that kind of lifestyle, like, what other competition do you know of where the parents are locked in the locker room? Yeah. It's kind of campy fun just seeing all these chess competitors and just seeing all these really intimidating children that are 100 times smarter than me. Like, it, that was the intimidating part. I felt like I was being outsmarted by everyone on the screen. Nate, you have not seen The Queen's Gambit, I gather? I have not. Okay. That is a shining example of kind of just how fascinating chess can be and like an insanely good character study on, uh, what's her name? Shit. Doesn't matter. On her character. And I feel like this movie just was kind of like a Disney TV TLC representation of like a father-son drama that had a little bit of chess going on in it. They really don't dive into the game itself. They don't dive into why he really picked it up or, like, where all of a sudden he has this, like, insane gift from. All of a sudden he's just like, yeah, I'm really into chess. And then, I don't know, man. It just it didn't it didn't go anywhere for me. I just – I didn't think the kid was good. The father was good. Oh, my was, God. Just, no. He wait was a minute. Adorable. No, no, no. no. He, was, he was good. He was terrible. So, okay. He was okay. awesome. I strongly disagree. I think that he hated gave a kid. very good performance. But <laughs> no. he was picked because he was a chess prodigy himself. He was very good at chess. Like at that young age, um, and he was able to like pick up the concepts, and he was he knew that. And so basically that's why they went for a very good chess player, I guess, over an experienced actor. Uh, that was going to have a harder time with the chess itself because they wanted that was a they mistake. wanted the, they no because they wanted to make the chess authentic they wanted it to be real so if you're watching like because the this movie is featured movie. with like a ton of actual famous chess players are in this movie uh, they actually had the re this is based on a true story the real guy himself the real family uh, contributed to um, like the, the different chess moves in the movie so I mean they were trying to nail the authenticity of chess 
and I get it. It it did feel did. a little. Uh, oh, I think all. they really did. I disagree. But the I, kid, I actually really enjoyed. He had this natural wisdom to the game and of course because he had played before and was really good at it but having those relationships and seeing how like one parent is protective where the other is more pushy and you kind of see one of the parents get lost in it as well and almost going from supporting him to scolding him when something bad happens it wasn't anything spectacular film wise i just thought it was a really just light-hearted well-told story about this kid and then they use the history of bobby fisher to just kind of drive the fact and i thought they used that really well it was just it was nice it wasn't anything spectacular but it was it, i learned something for me the movie was just a very innocent feel-good upbeat movie about chess and it was just this kid who's just naturally just so good at chess and how these adults just want to form and shape him to be like a Bobby Fischer. You gotta be rude. You gotta be unlikable. And this kid's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, fuck that. I just want to be good at chess. I really appreciated seeing that character kind of go through those stages and how his dad also, like Nate said, got so wrapped up into the whole lifestyle of it and like told that teacher off. Who thought the teacher was also kind of being a bitch in that scene. But like that, there was... Laura Linney. Exactly, Laura Linney. But there were so many scenes where like... Of doing that. I found myself like, almost like sitting up in my seat being like, fuck yes, let's go. Like, I was getting into the chess games, especially <laughs> towards the end. And when that, like, brat-nosed little kid came in to, like, try to beat him with that, like, uh, Russian teacher, I was like, hell no. I feel bad, guys. I really do. Because I, I just think that the movie, it was just a little bit barren of just the emotional connection of these characters. I didn't find the father-son connection to be that great. I thought I went for these, like, kind of typical character tropes with movies like this where the father's, like, pushing his son to succeed. And the son just wants to have recognition from from his father because a lot of the times like he'll lose on purpose and stuff just because he i don't know he wants to just spend time with his dad or something um and just make his dad happy but i don't know i just i didn't think the chess games aside from the ones at the very end i didn't think they were all that exciting the speed chess is okay but i guess i just i can't help but compare it to the other show i've seen that's just way better i've never been more terrified of like a nine-year-old kid than when the lead kid josh like pokes his head in and sees this other like almost younger kid sitting there playing and i'm just like oh no that's the villain yeah (laughs) that's the bad guy that we're all supposed to be afraid of and i was terrified when he was walking down that corridor match of the century right there but i know it wasn't the greatest movie but it it had all the right things to make it entertaining. And I, I can see where John's coming from, where the energy level and the 100%, character yeah. connection was a little off for an early 90s movie. And it, it was just a nice little tale. And then the chess was just kind of extra. Yeah. It was nice that, to see these characters. That point, I guess, is is kind of my main complaint is that I think chess can be very fascinating. Uh, but this movie, it, it does kind of take a backseat to the relationships, which I just I didn't find them as good as I would have hoped for. Searching for Bobby Fisher, I'm giving it, I, th- I think what I originally gave it was a three and a half out of five, because I I understand like what they were going for. The connections weren't the best, but I liked the performances and I liked the people who played the characters because I thought they melded really well together. And seeing Ben Kingsley, his his performance was really good. It was kind of vicious in a way, the way he was talking to the kid sometime and some of his tactics. But other than that, it was a pretty decent movie. So I'm going to give Searching for Bobby Fisher three and a half out of five. It was it was yep. 
It was good. All right. It was, it was pretty good. John, what are your final thoughts and grade for this film? So overall, I think this movie did have some some good moments. I think uh, initially, like one of the one of the scenes that I did like was when like they're initially playing chess for the first time, where uh, the kid, what's the kid's name by the way, Josh. In the movie, his name's Josh. Yeah, uh, Josh. Yeah, he's playing chess with his dad, and he like loses on purpose or something. And then the mom is is the one that can kind of just pull it out of the ether and be like, no, no, he's he's just trying to make you happy or whatever. Um, and I, and I think that scene of them just like going back and forth playing chess and he's like in the other room, like, all right, move this scene, this piece to that, that part of the board or whatever. I actually thought that was a a pretty fun sequence. And there is some other parts of the film that I definitely did enjoy. I think Lawrence Fishburne, his character, he was good, a good little kind of a mentor for, uh, for Josh and stuff. So it definitely did have some good moments and good character moments, but I think just overall, it just wasn't exactly what I was expecting but i think that there's there's definitely enough there for a lot of people like you guys uh that did enjoy this movie so three out of five for me this one was just a feel-good movie i just enjoyed the whole chess aspect to it but i did like that this movie did feature like some big actors before uh they were famous david palmer william h macy laura linney and tony shalhoub all kind of had supporting roles in this film so that was kind of cool uh but i'm gonna match nate's grade three and a half out of five like i said it's just a feel-good movie about chess it's different. It's unique. has some good cinematography. You can check it out. It's on Netflix. I think it's worth it. And then, yeah, you can also check out Queen's Gambit as well, if you'd like. It's it's, it's, it's a good double feature. Thelma. I'll get it! Thelma, I've not told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning. I'm sorry, darling. I just didn't want you to be late. Hey, how you doing, little housewife? Louise. Yeah, I still have to ask the girl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma and Louise are going fishing. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. <laughs> He's going to kill you. I left him a note. <laughs> but yeah, my movie that won over Andre Rublev, I'm still mad at you guys, um, was 1991's Thelma and Louise from director Ridley Scott, who a lot of you cinephiles know from alien blade runner gladiator seeing thelma and louise thrown in there it's kind of like most of them are sci-fi and then you kind of have this serious drama thrown in there but it is about two best friends that set out on an adventure and it soon turns around to a terrifying escape from being hunted by the police as these two girls escape for the crimes they committed um it's actually got pretty decent scores as well not as good as searching for bobby fisher of course 84 percent on rotten tomatoes 82 percent audience score imdb 7.5 letterbox 3.9 is it first time watches for everybody spencer yeah, because we what watched were your like 20 minutes thoughts? of it in screen, uh, screenwriting class one time. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and so, wait, like, did you see the beginning? Yeah. Like, the beginning part? Yeah, or did, when they set yeah. up on the adventure, okay. the bar, the incident that happened, yeah. and then, like, the first part of them on the road, then that they we turned it off, and that was it. Well, uh, how did you uh, feel watching the rest of it this time? This movie is, like, the definitive road adventure movie from now on. Uh, this movie is just fun. It's just awesome. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, their chemistry was so great. I wish they made like a trilogy of them just on the run together. Uh, I thought that would be really fun. Um, really Scott directed the hell out of this movie because on surface, the plot, it's pretty basic. You've seen the movie done in like a million different ways. But he brought so much to this movie. And as well with the cinematography, it makes sense that both of them are nominated because... 
they were just crisp. Like you could just feel like it was of the time, the 90, 1990s. Like it was, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was just a fun adventure road trip movie that just took turns every single act and it was fun. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it, it was nominated for five and it won best original screenplay. So yeah. that's, that's another little note to know about that. But, uh, all right, Queen's Gambit. Let's see it. Yeah. So, what did you think of Thelma and Louise? <laughs> so this one, I kind of have a similar uh, first time viewing experience. Although I didn't actually watch the movie, we just read the opening, like I guess beginning of Act Script. One. Uh, yeah. So kind of right up to that incident in the parking lot, and they 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 totally like Chris Britt just totally tease us like, all right, and that's it. That's all we get to read today or whatever. So I was I was always interested in seeing the rest of this movie. Um, I'm personally not a huge Susan Sarandon fan. I can't remember the previous. It was another movie we watched on the podcast, and I just wasn't a. Oh, I think it was uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham, yeah. And I was like, uh, not a big fan of her character, but yeah, I do love her in this movie. Um, it took me a little while to love uh the other character, uh, Gina, Gina Davis. Davis. Oh, Gina instantly Davis. for me, I was. Listen, I loved her. Right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> instantly. I, I don't know what it is with me, but sometimes it takes me a while to to actually like like characters yeah but once oh. they fully embrace the kind of badass just like on the run aspects of the movie i absolutely loved it yeah and the cinematography the music everything to go along with them just kind of being like you know what fuck our husbands man we're just gonna just go balls to the wall and when they when they were fucking with that uh like tra- trailer truck driver yeah amazing mm-hmm. like all the scenes like that it was like dude this is so enjoyable and i just want to see these women just kick ass and do whatever the hell they're gonna do that scene with the trucker <laughs> uh like with them like sitting in the car waiting for him to walk up to them that was at their their height of like we yeah, are yeah, the no, biggest badasses in the world and i was like mm-hmm. this is awesome <laughs> like what are they gonna do next and oh, that yeah. scene like holy shit was that an explosion <laughs> yeah that surprised me I that was like it. the scene in speed at the end when they blew up the airplane yeah but it's really scott i mean you can get whatever you want oh i've guess. never seen speed oh sorry spoil speed for you. <laughs> my bad oh well okay <laughs> but yeah no it was it was cool i like i laughed so hard at the scene where they uh they're pulled over by the cop and then yes. they kind of pull over the cop. I was like, this cop is such a wuss. He like instantly starts crying and he's like moping. I'm like, dude, come on, like show, have some dignity. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Gina Davis. Yeah. Like Spencer said, it was almost instant. The minute she's on screen, she's scrambling around, answering the phone and the stuff, just being a good little housewife. I was like, ah, and then her arc was just awesome. And you you see him switch, like once like there's some money that is taken in this movie, and like once that happens, I feel like their characters switch. Yeah, instantly Susan Sarandon kind of becomes the careful one, the subdued one, where Gina Davis is like, "Yeah, fuck the world, ride to the wind," which was awesome. It was just yeah. awesome to see. This movie's amazing. That's that, <laughs> that was basically scene. it. it was, that was a scene where I kind of fell in love with Gina Davis's character when she's like she has this relationship with Brad Pitt, who I didn't know was in this movie. That was an interesting uh, kind of inclusion there, but uh, he was great. I think it was um, his like, first. She... Mo- I think it was his first role. 
I've, it must have been I've, one yeah. of the early ones at the very least. It's, I it's thought he was in it more. Yeah, no. But yeah. that scene in the in and the robbery and then it cuts to her husband and the guy who plays Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so good Gunn. at playing the asshole. I love him. He's amazing. Um but him and the watching, mustache. Yeah. Him watching his wife who he's just like, What the fuck is going on? Like never seen his wife in this type of situation. He's just used to bossing her around and she's just like casually robbing a store it's just hilarious dude you can't she's so polite i love it yeah uh, exactly. <laughs> it was awesome i'm sorry for this i'm sorry i had to do this but please you you must get on the ground <laughs> get on the ground sir sir apparently yeah. none of you move until i am out the door apparently that scene <laughs> in the beginning with christopher mcdonald when he's like walking out of his house going to work and he falls i guess he actually like <clears throat> lost his footing and fell in the scene and he stayed in character and continued to yell at the workers and drive off and really scott <laughs> liked it so much he just kept it in the movie and Oh, yeah, it, it was a fun little like character trait that they included. I don't think it's happened since. I think since as of 2020 is the last film to receive two nominations for a leading role in the same film. That must be like really? that must suck for them. Oh, two lead. I mean, just uh, like, yeah. god damn it, we have to compete. Just the dialogue year. between them. You it, you just sense true friendship between them. Just the way she protected her at the club that night, and just seeing how they could be tough with each other and you could really see their friendship blossom from it. Yeah. And they just ended up getting to the point where they're like, I think we're just better off. Just keep doing what we're doing. Let's not worry about this <laughs> and where it went. Uh, I didn't expect that from Ridley Scott. I really yeah. didn't. <laughs> you guys knew where this was going the whole time. Right? I this, did. I feel like it, this movie's in pop culture. It's like, yeah. I didn't. Know. I almost didn't spoiled know? it okay. for Nate before he watched right. it. So I accidentally thought that he watched it. I was like, oh shit. I almost did. But um, yeah. Oh, I jumped right in the I middle. Know. I cut you off. I'm glad you like, did. I was like, oh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> had an idea from Family Guy. Yeah, exactly. See that? It, it is an idea. So but I didn't know if, I didn't know if the ending was different and Family Guy made that happen. Happen. so that's why i was kind of hoping thank you ridley scott you made me love fall in love with these two people and i guess no. I, I might be the only one i don't know if you guys feel the same way i thought that it did drag a little bit with like michael manson's character like the boyfriend kind of coming into the story and then gina davis's like her relationship with brad pitt like it was fun at first but then I don't know. I feel like they kind of focus on it where there's too many scenes where it slowed down the adventure. They kind of were maybe idle for too long. Yeah. I guess maybe that's like my I nitpick agree. in an otherwise pretty great movie. I mean, I honestly, I, I thought Thumb and Louise, I'm glad that I finally have watched it. This is a great little film. That, that was my issue as well. Um, like I said earlier. I couldn't find like, a way to say it. No, like, like I said, uh, my favorite part is when they kind of accept who they are and just freaking roll with it. And a lot of those scenes with like the relationships and stuff like that in the middle and Kind of just dicking around at random bars. I just, I just like, all right, let's get past this and see what this movie's really all about. Um, not that I didn't like it, but I think the movie really picks up and just gets, it's, it's what it needs to be when uh, they start to go on the run. Also, kind of a feel-good movie in a weird kind of way because you, they finally felt like they were free and they could just hit the road and do everything that their heart desired. And then you just kind of see the devastating outcome of it. But just the way their characters embraced it. Like, a lot of them would be nervous about what was happening. But Susan Sarandon's character, where she's like, put the police on the phone. Gina Davis's husband's like, what? There's no police here. And then Harvey Keitel just grabs the phone. He's like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I did love Harvey Keitel in this movie. He kind of he plays... He was funny. He's really good at playing, like, the nice detective guy. He's the same character in National Treasure. Sorry to bring National Treasure into this, but... Same exact character, 
Yeah. At the end of that movie, he's like, someone's got to go to jail. He's a little whatever, Ben. <laughs> and then <laughs> he's he's just I don't know. He's a really light guy, I think. So yeah, yeah. Um, he's a little different. I forgot he was in that. that. Sir, you're standing in your pizza. <laughs> <It's> like, what, <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, very different from Taxi he, Driver. He was yeah. like the only one on very... their side though, and I just. Mm-hmm. And I love the cinematically, like in terms of score and stuff. That final scene oh, is like God, yeah. crazy. All the cops and whatnot. Um, Hans Zimmer that contributed to what happened. I'm like, why would you have this many cops on two women? That yeah, they did some shit, but like, come on, what is like, what is going on here? This is insane. If you add but... it up, though, I mean, like they kidnapped a cop and held him hostage. They have shot. A, yeah. They murdered a man. Uh, they armed armed robbery. They have six thousand dollars. I mean, they've done a lot to deserve it. I guess they just blew yeah. up an oil tanker. <laughs> like to the ends, just they have a laundry list. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, you want to do your your final thoughts on this? Definitely. Yeah. No. Thumb and Louise, like I said, I'm very happy that I finally have seen it. I think Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis give phenomenal performances. I love their chemistry so much. And I think Ridley Scott directed the hell out of this movie. He didn't have to, but he did. I am going to go four and a half out of five. It, I, I, Who knows on the rewatch, but I would probably get this on 4K if it comes out. Yeah, I really like this. Four and a half out of five. Hmm. All right, mainstream boy. Let's hear it. Um, yeah, I think this movie kind of, it's it's kind of cemented itself in pop culture because I feel like it's always being referenced in TV and, and whatever and stuff. Like, I've heard about this movie on, on multiple occasions without having seen it. Um, and I think Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are just great together in this movie. There's a lot of other good performances as well. Um, I did think the middle section was a little bit rocky with the, with the relationships, but it totally makes up for it when they just go on the run and start committing all these, these crimes and just being badass from start to finish. So... Um, I, I really enjoyed watching it. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Well, it's lower than this four and a half out of five that I'm going to dish oh, out right there. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, because this movie was just fun and entertaining. And like, I wish I could have seen this movie in theaters. Like that would have been a, the ultimate experience seeing all that play out and just being in awe of the entire finale and yeah, just being able wild. to witness. Yeah. These two just truly iconic performances like no one else could be Thelma and Louise anymore like no matter what type of renditions they do in the future different tellings of it Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon are Thelma and Louise so four and a half out of five for me like Spencer said on a rewatch this could this has that chance it did drag a little bit but it has that possibility if it carries over Awesome. Well, I think that does lead us to our final film of this week's episode. You guys ready to get into uh, Death Proof? Oh, yeah. Nope. He's got charm. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot awaits. He's got style. Do I frighten you? This is my scar. It's your car. And he's got a set of wheels. Is it safe? Oh, it's better than safe. It's Death Proof. To die for. So Death Proof is directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's one of the films that, one of the two films, I believe, of Quentin's that I've never seen. Uh, the other one is uh, Jackie Brown, which I think both of you guys might have checked out already. Um, but obviously he's done Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight. Fantastic films. Uh, this one has Kurt Russell, Zoe Bell, Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Two separate sets of women are stalked at different times by a... St- Scarred? Oh, by a scarred stuntman who uses his <laughs> death-proof cars to execute his murderous plans. 
Uh, quite an interesting plot. It does have a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So, yeah, with this movie, I really did not know much going into it, other than pretty much that synopsis. But, yeah, man, what did you think, Nate? What Were uh, were you looking forward to this one? I was. Um, I had seen Planet Terror uh, back in college, and so this was always the dynamic duo grindhouse feature with uh, Planet Terror was Death Proof. Death proof. So I didn't know that there were two different stories going into it. I was expecting one story to kind of carry on. So when it ended, it almost threw on the brakes and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was hoping this was going to go somewhere. And then it kind of starts the next story. So that was a little bit of a, a gripe for me just because they put a pause in what I thought was going to be a pretty good continuing story. Each individual story had its strong points. I liked the first one more personally because it just had a more grimy kind of this like country western style that uh, Tarantino's proven himself at being great at. Having all these like younger actors, or not younger, but like you have Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This was like during Sky High times. I know that's all. Like I kept way before that she the got whole movie. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, just seeing Kurt Russell be terrifying, like seeing Quentin Tarantino just taking shots. I, I yeah. was expecting him to be there somewhere, course, but then when he yeah. like sits down at the bar and he just starts talking, I'm like, this is how he is at like the rap party, isn't he? But yeah, Death Proof was fun. It was better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Spencer? This is your first time seeing Death Proof. Correct. Yeah. And I had also never seen Planet Terror, and I had always heard of these movies. I've always wanted to check them out, and I figured since we're going to watch Death Proof and we had like two weeks to do it. Might as well watch Planet Terror. So I did the double feature. I did Planet Terror and then Death Proof. I did it as you're apparently supposed to. I Googled it. And I guess that's how you're supposed to do it. I gotta say, I'm gotta be honest. I'm not a big fan of what these movies are going for. I, I I'm really not a big fan of like grindhouse movies, B movies, that kind of stuff. I don't really. I wasn't really. I didn't grow up on them. I guess I came to that genre a little too late. And plus. 60s and 70s, like those grindhouse movies that Tarantino went for, because Rodriguez went for the zombie B-horror movie with Planet Terror. It's full-on, like, grotesque, blood and guts body horror. This one is, like, gritty, raw, like, practical stunts, like what Tarantino wanted to do. And I gotta say, I like Death Proof a lot more than Planet Terror. I gotta flip-flop with Nate. And I thought this one was fun. It, it was it was. It was okay. I just was kind of bored by it, to be honest. It wasn't what I was expecting, especially right after Planet Terror, which is balls to the wall. This one's just kind of toned down. And it's just Tarantino doing his little, like, long dialogues of characters sitting, talking in bars, and just, you know, shooting the shit. But then once it goes with the, the kills, with the death-proof stuff, <laughs> it's like, holy shit, this is some of my favorite thing Tarantino has ever done. Like, this is awesome. And, like, it, I don't know, it was cool. It was fun with the practical stuff. But I don't know. I, just, I was a little let down by it, to be honest. Yeah. It turned too much of a comedy towards the end. I was just kind of like... kept going a little bit. <laughs> they portrayed Kurt Russell as this, like, badass guy with his car. And then seeing him at the end of it, you're like, I was really hoping his character would turn around and, like, get them back. I was like, oh, come on. You you didn't just, like, scare us the entire movie just to be like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I gotta love oh it, though. Oh, my God. I, I love that the fact yeah. that the girl's like, no, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, let's go kill him. I don't know. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you bring up a good point, Nate, uh, is that this is kind of two separate movies, in a sense. It's, like, it's almost like an episodic of Kurt Russell badgering women and going after trying to murder them. Because they do set you up with these, like, 
these long dialogue sequences in the bar. And I actually really like those. I think that's one of that's literally one of the things that Quinn is so good at is just creating engaging dialogue and building characters through conversation. And I think he does that really well. And then he just busts their faces off with a tire. So it's like <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, that was fun. Let's move on to the next half of the film. And that's when this movie is insane because it has the actresses that I was looking forward to seeing, Rosario Dawson, and they're great in the movie. And they're just these crazy women that aren't just gonna, aren't going to take shit from anybody, especially that final scene with Zoe Ball in the car. I do think it went on for a while, but I was... I was down for it. I thought it was just absolute insanity. <laughs> it was impressive. It was, um, it was yeah. It was crazy, terrifying <laughs> to watch because I mean, obviously there were she was doing it, and like it was. I don't know. It was just like holy shit. Absolutely wild. Loved it. But yeah, Kurt Russell was a total psychopath, crazy dude, and I, I didn't see it coming because like I don't know. He he plays a pretty reasonably nice dude in the bar, and then all of a sudden he's bashing in this girl's face against the dashboard, and it was just like. Okay, so that's why this is called Death Proof. I get it. Cause I didn't I didn't really see that coming, I guess, initially, but once he just uses this car to literally kill people from the inside, it's like mm-hmm. fucking hell. All right. Yeah. I mean, all right, let's do this. And the stunt driving well, ladies, is some of the yeah, best. It was, it was well, insane. ladies, that was fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God man. Oh, a creep. Definitely a creep. Just I used to think that it was about a killer car. And and Kurt Russell was just a part of it. Yeah, kind of. In a way. Um, But with like a manual driver and whatnot. But yeah, I I did have fun though. I did have a lot of fun. For uh, when I saw Planet Terror, I thought it was a little convoluted at times. And they tried to be really stylish. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to be too stylish with the final act and whatnot. Where I liked the, the... the grittiness of this one, like Spencer said, it just it felt more grounded, more realistic. But I laughed so hard when Mary Elizabeth Winstead wakes up and she's just sees that farmer guy standing in front of her. And she's just like, you bitches gasp me here <laughs> and you never no, see she her just again. Goes, it's like, oh, gasp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they're they're off yeah. driving with the car. So I was like. Oh, come on. And they were so focused on this Italian issue of Vogue. I was like, is that a thing? Like, do Maybe people collect this then, or something? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe that was a thing. But Kurt Russell licking toes. Oh my <laughs> god, dude. The feet in oh this god. movie. Tarantino was just like... He's he was given guy. too much free reign <laughs> to dive into his fetishes like... in this movie. Oh my now god. Now I know why everybody says Man. it, because from the opening yeah. title sequence, it's literally a shot of women's feet, and there's gotta be at least 40-50 shots of feet in this 100%. movie. 100%. At least. Oh bare minimum it's... there's more shots of the feet than kurt russell yeah man or the car <laughs> it's like bro what in the fuck so you don't true. you don't have to do that no but, but like, he has to because he can that's why he's tarantino uh and that's the thing i mean he's earned it tarantino admitted i guess that he went a little bit overboard with like the aesthetic with like uh scratching it and like doing it with the editing like kind of because you know how like it jumps and cuts and stuff and it mm-hmm. like rewinds yeah, scenes it's super grainy looking yeah, on purpose and it's meant to match that aesthetic of those kind of old grimy movies obviously i liked it i i liked, I, I liked it. it too it got me into it It was interesting yeah like, it was fun i because that's what the movie that's what the movies are like even grindhouse um sorry even uh planet terror did it uh as well so i was used to it by this mm-hmm. point and i also really thought it was funny but brutal and graphic but the first scene the co- the collision when he's driving down that road yeah. with the lights off that he shows it from every single point of view from each character and, mm-hmm. like, when I realized that's what he was going to do on, like, the second take, I'm like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding me? And it was graphic 
it was even more graphic as it went on. I'm like, oh, like, geez, the second they showed her her foot out the door, which I oh, first God. of all in real life, I hate when people do that. I'm like, if you get an accident, oh yeah, this movie. If you ever, if you do that in real life, you put your foot out the door. Watch this movie. You'll never fucking do it again. Promise you, because no. <laughs> that was insanely <laughs> graphic. But yeah, it was also pretty funny too. Nate, For sure, I think yeah, I think we could kind of wrap this one up. Uh, what was your kind of overall thoughts here on uh? My overall thoughts. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, I yeah, did. I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I like I liked it significantly more than Planet Terror. But it's been a long time since I've watched it, so I might have to do what Spencer did and just do a back to back one day and just kind of say screw it. I almost pulled the trigger on the Blu-ray after this movie, honestly, and just got like the double pack. But yeah, it was fun. It wasn't any like spectacular it wasn't tarantino's best by far but what was he coming off of kill bill it was fun it was just cool seeing kurt russell as this badass character and then you kind of see what the characters in these movies not really conventionally would just go after the guy like that so it was cool seeing it especially zoe bell just the practical performance that she gave was awesome um so for me uh death proof deserves a solid four out of five I enjoyed it. Um, it had a couple things here and there, and like the whole switching to another storyline kind of bugged me. But the stories individually worked really well. So four out of five for me. Nice. That's awesome. I discovered with this double feature that I just, you know, th- these movies really aren't for me. I do appreciate them. Like I, I did have fun with them. Okay, I got to be honest. Like they were fun, but like I probably wouldn't revisit them to be honest. Uh, I think they're really meant for those those fans of those grindhouse movies, and if you really like, I grew up on them. I think you're gonna really like this. And also, it's like if you if you don't know if you will like them, this would be kind of a fun little double feature to see if you do like them, uh, because they're mm-hmm. very different. Planet Terror is like B horror zombie blood and guts. This one, raw gritty like practical. And I gotta say, I do like that aspect a lot more uh, with Death Proof. So uh, with Death Proof, I am going to go 3 out of 5. I did like it. I thought it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. But I, w- I got to say, I was a little let down. I kind of wish that it was committed a little bit more with like the, the insanity, whereas it was kind of just Tarantino making Reservoir Dogs and diners again. And it's like, okay. <laughs> but Oh, well. He's, he sticks <laughs> with what he's good at, I think. Yeah, and exactly. He, he's really good at these these scenes that seem to go on for too long but it's not like you're bored by them the, the dialogue is good and you're learning about the characters yeah and he brings that into every movie um i think there is two different types of tarantino though all of which is there's blood and guts and a lot of stuff like that um this one is definitely way more grindhousey more bloody um and just different and crazy balls to the wall whereas like Django and hateful later they seem like more complete films but you can't deny that this is just an insanely fun movie with some crazy car chases and and just death and it's it's basically just absolutely and there's proof of it i had a lot of fun with it it surprised me i did not expect the movie that we got so uh yeah i i ended up really liking it uh i'm gonna give it a four out of five as well i thought it was a very solid uh minus the foot fetishes interesting like, bro i don't know i don't know maybe it's just because i was, I was <laughs> expecting something more from tarantino i just found it kind of hollow i just i don't know i th- i wanted more meat to it but yeah Maybe I got a meat flying around. Maybe I was just a little. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I was just uh, <laughs> getting scraped off by a tire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that scene uh, is fuck crazy. Dude. And that was like gross. Oh, oh yeah. Imagine that mm. happens in a Final Destination Five as well. Like a tire flies through, like out of a, out of like a racing stadium and just hits a girl in the face and her head flies off. 
Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, those uh. were the three films that we watched this week. Death Proof, Searching for Bobby Fischer, and Thelma and the Wheeze. If you've seen these three movies, comment down below. What do you think of them? Did you watch them? Do you like them? Do you like Grindhouse movies? I don't know. Discuss with us. We'll, we'll definitely comment. Promise. We'll like your comments. I might. But this brings us to the weekend where we have a poll for the good people who follow us on Instagram at those movie dudes. This episode obviously will be come out, uh, coming out in two weeks, February 13th, but what are we going to be watching? What are the good people going to be voting on? Nate, you got your picks all uh, locked and yes, loaded ready to I go? I do. What you got? And mine are based on a theme because we all uh, were subject to the Kong versus Godzilla trailer. Oh, yes, we were. Oh, no. So, <laughs> we are watching... Oh, uh, we're going very classic because I believe I'm going with the 1933 version of King Kong. That's hilarious. Amazing. Versus the 19, I believe it's like 1956 version of Godzilla. The originals <laughs> of both of these characters oh God, are going to face off this week. That's a tough choice, Dude, man. I don't know. I don't know either, yeah. Uh, we'll see what wins. I'm excited to watch either. I like because that. They're, they're classics. That's fun. Um, okay, yeah. We'll see what wins I'm down poll. for that as well. We'll see what the people vote on. That'd be interesting to see. My picks mm. this week, uh, I don't know. They're two kind of random movies, but two movies that I've always wanted to see. And that's kind of like the premise of the show. So I went with Monos. 2019 came out uh, two years ago. Have you heard of this one? It's about like child no. soldiers that have to watch over a hostage. But apparently it's got so much acclaim for the cinematography. Apparently it's beautifully shot. So uh, I'm curious to check that Amen. one out. Uh, I think it might be foreign language. I'm not positive. But it actually has, uh, has um, the kid from Hannah Montana in it. The short kid. What's his name? Um, Rico. Oh, he Rico. plays Rico. He's in the movie yeah. some Something uh, Morales. Yeah, or... so... I can't. I know who you're talking Anyways, about. Anyways, he's yeah. in it, but so, uh, but that one's gonna go up against a movie that I've always wanted to see. I've heard it's really good. It won an Oscar, and I think it was nominated for a couple others. But it is a film called Lost in Translation. Came out in 2003. <sighs> Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson. I've never two seen two lost that. souls going to Japan, trying to find the purpose of life or something. I don't know, but I've heard it's good. Sofia Coppola directed it and um, won an Oscar for screenplay. So I'd be curious to check that one out. That is my picks. Fuck yeah. John, you guys seen Big right, Pig in mainstream the City? <laughs> so, for my films this week, I'm going to Netflix films, I believe. Uh, one of them is from a director who did a movie called Another Earth uh, back in like 2012, 2013, and it is I Origins. I genuinely know nothing about it, but Spencer mentioned it the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, it's been a while since I uh, thought about that movie. I've been wanting to check it out, so. It's me. That one verse uh, a movie called What Happened to Monday, also on Netflix with uh, Numi Rapace, Glenn Close, and Willem Dafoe. Dude, you wanted me to oh, pick boy. a Willem Dafoe movie. I did. <laughs> here I we are. You know, like, <laughs> one of your picks better have a Willem Dafoe movie in it. Well, and you still didn't have Willem Dafoe. Why'd you <laughs> spill your beans? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> if he doesn't say that, I'm giving it a fucking zero out of five. Okay. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are my picks this week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we do have some weekly shows that are not bi-weekly, like this podcast. Uh, John, what's uh, what's one of those shows? We do have a show called uh, Mainstream Boys, which I host every single week with Spencer. And one time, Nate, uh, maybe he'll join us once again if it's a film about marital problems. Uh, but it's a show where we talk about the Indeed. new release films of the week, whether they come out on VOD, Quibi, Peacock, you know, stuff like that. And we'll watch them and uh, grab a 
big bucket of popcorn, snow caps, maybe some cherry coke, put her, take her pants off, put her feet up, and watch them and talk about them on Zoom. Well, if you want to watch a show that isn't about complete whiny bullcrap, come uh, tune into... <laughs> uh, tune into Collector's Corner. comes out every Wednesday, where we take a deep dive into our own physical media collections. We've done Criterions. We've done Digibooks. We've done Blu-rays. What will we do next? Collector's Corner every wednesday okay. physical but yes thank you Thanks, boys. so much for listening to another episode of the those movie dudes main podcast show make sure you go and vote in our polls they're gonna be out this weekend to help decide what we talk about for our next episode uh and if there's ever a movie that you want to hear us talk about or recommend just let us know on instagram at those movie dudes just comment on any post direct message us reply to our stories or something and we would try to be active as much as possible that's it for me toodles I'm uh, looking to spend some money on some physical media, possibly for a future collector's corner. So uh, uh, let us know in the stories what I should buy um, and uh, give me a little more excitement in my life, you know, because I'm on some new meds and, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh...